Well, this morning, it's so good to see each of you, and here we are the Sunday before Swamp Cabbage, your favorite time of the year, I know, uh, but uh, we are so glad uh, that you are here uh, this morning. Uh, it's always difficult uh, when we've had events like we've had this past week here in our state, uh, just a couple hours away from us. Uh, some of our local churches are, uh, are, are right there ministering. The, the church that uh, Nick and Lori um, go to uh, is one of the churches that come to mind that is ministering um, to them and some others in that area. So um, just, just continue to, to remember them. But, you know, one of the statements, and I know this past week people have been sharing their emotions have been raw. Uh, there's been a lot of different things said. Um, but one of the statements I heard, and I understood uh, their frustration, but one of the statements that I heard that really, um, uh, I guess, got to me was that prayers were no longer taking care of anything. In other words, prayer wasn't answering what they were facing. Um, and I understand where it, how it was directed and, and so forth, but I believe in prayer, and I hope that you believe in prayer. Um, and, you know, it's to me, if we didn't have prayer, um, I don't think a lot of us today would be here. It's because of prayer. It is because of prayer. And we have seen just firsthand uh, this week uh, with, with Cody. It's because of prayer, and, and uh, Blake and Casey would tell you they have had more people come to them and say, hey, we were praying, we were praying, we were fasting, we were praying. Can we pray for him at our church, this church, that church? Um, prayer changes things, amen? And, I, and, and you know, I, I'm sure you do, I'm sure in your life you know of an instance that if it wasn't for prayer, your life would be different. Prayer changed something in your life. And so prayer is so important. And I pray that we would see what is important in life. Now, to say all that, sometimes in life it gets hard to understand what is truly important. And so this morning I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 18 through 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Because in our world today, things, you know, things get turned around and, and things get praised sometimes to be wise, but really it's not. And so look with me in this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it is God's, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. Where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of the age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, 
God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of the message preached. I love that. The foolishness of the message preached. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ in God's power and God's wisdom. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. And this is where I believe we should just say, Amen. Now let me tell you, in this passage of Scripture, my feeble attempt this morning to even scratch the surface of this mighty, powerful message. How do you determine who's wise? W-I-S-E. How do you determine who's wise? Who do, how do you determine who's a fool? And others sometimes say, well, I'm not sure what they are. Now, I don't mean that to offend, but in our world today, how do we choose who the fool or the wise or the otherwise persons are? In a passage of Scripture that we read this morning, if we go to the, to the world and we look, sometimes the world is telling us that this is the direction we should follow, but as we look at God's Word, it's completely different. Who are we going to trust? Now, if you were driving, I mean, let's say it this way. If you were riding with Preston, and he was driving between here and Fort Myers on 80, and when he got to Grandma's Grove, he decided to take his hands off the wheel of the, of the truck and decided he didn't need to put them back on. Just wherever the truck went, that's where he was going. What would you do? Jump out. He take the wheel. Okay, take the wheel. Okay, okay. In our world today, our world is trying to take us on a journey. And we need to see that in this world today, I know we live in this world. And we are to abide in this world. But there comes a time for us to realize that we need to put our hands on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because, yes, its destination is different than this world's, but hopefully that is where you want to go. Now, as you think about that, the gospel of Jesus Christ, yes, it is radically different than what our world wants today. It has a different source, it has a, a different course, and it ends up in a different conclusion. What God calls what God calls wisdom, the world calls foolishness. And what the world calls wisdom, God calls that foolishness. And so, this morning, who's the fool? Who is wise? Let's 
we think about that this morning, go with me back to verse 18 of 1 Corinthians. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Now, I understand that part. I understand that part because a lot of people who have completely rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, completely rejected any of that to them, when they hear someone come to them preaching the cross to them, it is foolishness. There's no way I will accept that. That's what some people believe. But the latter part of that verse, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. The cross. Easter is just almost a month and a week away. Time when we think of the cross. But when I look at that verse, but it's God's power to us. The power of the cross. The cross is a fascinating symbol, isn't it? There's a lot of people that wear it as jewelry. There's nothing wrong with that. But I also know that for people, there's different meanings of the cross. For some, it's it's very sacred. It's very, there's a holiness to it. There's a a special bond to it. Others, it's just a symbol. It's just something you wear. It's something that looks pretty. The cross. For Jesus, for God, the cross is totally different. Totally different because that is where God's power was shown. Think of the power that was shown at the cross. How his son was put on the cross so that you and I could be set free. It is an ongoing power where we have been saved. Preaching the cross. The word of the cross. Yes, our world today says it's foolishness. Something that happened all the way back then, years ago, could not even come close to helping us today. That is wrong. The cross. One of the things that I believe today when I think of the cross is that God speaks through the cross. He speaks through the cross. And as we think about how he speaks... Well, he speaks in a way that, 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 that to reach us. Now, look, what, look with me in verse 22. It says, for Jews, for the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom, sought wisdom. Now, Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth, and at the church at Corinth, there were Jews and there were Greeks. Jews thought one way. The Greeks thought another. Putting them two together sometimes was like, you know, just like they would never agree, okay? The Jews were thinking about God, and for them to believe, they had to have a sign. You know people like that? Well, I got to get a sign. I can't do anything unless I get a sign. I can't do anything unless I get a sign. Sometimes you kind of... What if the sign hits you? No, I, you can't say that. But, you know, even, even our Lord and Savior, even God kind of, he said, guys, you're, you're missing it. And, and later we'll get into it a little bit, but it becomes their stumbling block. 
It becomes their stumbling block. Now, now the, the Jews, they, they wanted a sign. And then the Greeks, all they, all they really, well, well, we want wisdom. But you see what, I want you to, to get this. Both of these groups had thought in their minds, okay, this is what we want the Messiah to be. This is what we want Christ to be. And unless he meets these things, then he's not it. Well, that's dangerous for us because in, it, uh, for us today, a lot of people have done the same thing. We have developed, well, he's got to come only on Sundays. He's got to be between 10 and 11. You know, we, we put up these things. Okay, God, you've got to jump through this hoop. and you got. It, oh, God couldn't do it any other way. It's got to be this way. And, and, and in doing so, if we're not careful, we miss the very thing we're looking for. Now, like the Jews. Let's go back to them. Like the Jews. The, for them, they, they basically were saying, well, unless there is a sign. I want you to jot down these verses and maybe look at them later. But, but the first one is in John chapter 4. Now, you know, you've always heard us say, God knows his people. Jesus knew his people. Look at John chapter 4, verse 48. And John chapter 4, verse 48 Jesus told him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He, he learned their game quick. He said, you're that sign and wonder bunch. He, you know, okay, look over in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Well, it would help if I go the right way. Luke chapter 11, verse 29. Well, I'm getting there. Here's a very interesting verse. Luke eleven twenty nine 29 says, And the crowds were increasing. He began saying, This generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign. But no sign will be given to it except, except the sign of Jonah. Wow. Well, what happened to Jonah? Some great fish. Swallowed him, right? The whale got him. How many days was he in the belly of the whale? Three. Sign, sign, everywhere a sign. There's your sign. That was the only one that was going to be given. Jesus was in the grave. You see, signs are there. But sometimes we need, we, in our world today, it's, it's, it's like you driving and you say, I just don't know where to go. These signs are, you know, I, I can't make these signs. And, and the person next to you say, well, that one says one way and you're going the wrong way. Some of us can't read the signs. Or is it that we don't want to read the signs? It's like, well, I want to go this way. They should have, they should have turned that road around. I want to go this way. And so you do. Well, there's consequences when you do that, don't there's consequences. We need to see that even our Lord, Savior, everybody had these qualifications. You've got to do this, Lord. You've got to do this. And, and we see that, that many people miss the important thing of how Jesus came and died for us. The Greeks wanted intelligence. They wanted another Socrates. They wanted someone that could pick apart everything and, and eventually disprove things. But it all came down, that the, especially the Jews, they put a stumbling block before them. I wonder if sometimes we do the same thing. We put stumbling blocks. Well, you know, if Jesus would do this and if Jesus would do that. Now, let me tell you, he can. 
But sometimes we put stumbling blocks there. And because of that, because of our lack of faith, because we're not willing to see what the cross is all about, we miss a very important lesson. This morning, I, I, I want us to see that he calls out to us. Now, there's another thing that, that it talks about here. But it says, but it is God's power for us who are being saved. Or another translation uses the word is the salvation of our soul. Think about the power that is released when a person gets saved. Think of the power it took to generate and to have Jesus die on the cross and the power that is generated every time one poor lost sinner is saved, the power and the transformation of a life. Just think of that. The cross shows us the wisdom of God. It shows how God reveals himself. It, it shows us how God knows our mind and, and wants to work in us and, and, and to do a mighty work and to, to, to just show us those things. But God wants to work, but God also wants to save. Amen? He wants to save, and you know what? Sometimes we get caught up in a lot of different things, and we think this is important and that's important. But what is truly important? Jesus is important. One of the stories I read um, was about Billy Graham early on in his career. Uh, he was a young man, and he was preaching at a resort, and uh, he preached on the cross. And when he got done, uh, a gentleman came to him. He was a former professor at Cornell University, and he came up. He said, you are a great young man. you got a lot of talent. You can go a long ways in this religious stuff you're in. But let me give you one piece of advice. And he said, Leave that blood stuff alone. And what he was saying to Billy Graham, he said, look, there's a lot of stuff to preach about, but leave the cross out. Don't preach about the blood. Don't preach about the cross. And Billy Graham that day said he made up his mind that he would preach more on the blood of Jesus than he ever had before. You see, the devil hates the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? The devil wants you to forget about the cross altogether. You go to churches today that are, are trying to even take the cross out of church because, oh, well, that's messy. Well, guys, if we're going to take out the cross, then we must might as well change the name and call this a social club because it's no longer a church. The cross is what it's all about. The cross and what he did. There was a, and I'm going to read part of the story because it, it, it's, it's kind of long. And it's one of those stories that when I first read it, I thought, oh, well, that's just one of these preacher stories. You know, is it true? I asked myself, I said, is it true? But this is a story about a liberal minister. Now listen to this. He was not saved. That does happen. He was a liberal minister. I'm not approving, though, okay? He was a liberal minister. He was not saved, just as lost as he could be. He had been educated in one of the liberal seminaries. He did not believe in the Bible. 
He didn't believe in the blood, and he didn't believe in the blessed hope of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's what I said. I, I said, this story can't be true, but it, but it is. He was in a study one evening, and he came a knock on his door, and he went to the door, and there was a little girl dressed in rags. And the preacher's ministry was in an inner city, and there, a little girl there dressed in rags, he said, little girl, come in. Now, this man was loving. He, he had a loving heart. All of that may be well and good for people. Well, I went to the end of the story. That made it short. He said, what can I do for you? And he said to, said to, to and she said to him, please, sir, would you come and help get mommy in? And he thought her mother must have been a drunk. And so he said, perhaps you need to call a policeman to get your mother in. No, she said, I don't need a policeman. Mother sent me to get a preacher. Aren't you a minister? My mother is dying and she said she doesn't want to go to hell. She wants to go to heaven. And she wanted me to find a preacher to help her get in. The little girl was talking about getting her into heaven. So this kind minister who was unsaved and lost got his hat and his coat. And the little girl took him by the hand. And they led him through the alleyways of that city to a run-down, bedridden, filthy apartment. And there on a dirty mattress was a woman with her gray hair spread out on the pillow. Her eyes sunk in the back of her head. And a life that had been marked by sin. The preacher looked at her, his heart of love. Now, he, he did have a loving heart. His heart of love went out for her. He was moved with pity as he saw her. She looked at him and she said, please, sir, I know that I'm dying and I need help. I live in a wicked and vile, I have lived a wicked and vile life. And if you're a man of God, I need help from God. Can God do something for me. Wow. Well, this preacher started to try to minister to her, and he talked to her about love, and he talked to her about goodness, and he talked to her about forgiveness, and he talked to her about good deeds and kindness and all those things and all of the platitudes and all of the high-sounding phrases that he knew. But her countenance never changed. There was no joy. There was no peace, no release. And she said, and he said, Madam, does this mean anything to you? And she said, Sir, you don't understand. All of that may be well and good for people like you, but not for a person like me. Don't you understand? I've not lived that kind of life. And furthermore, I can't live that kind of life. Furthermore, I'm dying. And then with a pitiful look on her face, she said, Preacher, don't you have a message for a sinful woman like I am? And he thought... And he realized for the first time that he did not have a message for a woman like that. Well, the story doesn't end there. This minister remembered the story his mother told him of a Christ who died on a cross 
And when he shed, and, and, and with his shed blood paid for our sins, and that by repentance and faith our sins could be forgiven, he would be born again and, and made over anew through the shed blood and the power of the cross. And though he did not believe the story, listen to this, he began to tell it to her, not believing, but just told it to her because psychologically he thought, it would help her. And so he told her about Christ, who died on the cross, how the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ atoned for sin. And, and though our sin be a scarlet, it should be white as snow. And through faith in his shed blood, we can only be forgiven, saved, and redeemed. And as he told her that story, the power of God and the Spirit of God took those words from the mouth of an unbelieving preacher and brought them home to her heart. She heard the message true. Whether he believed it or not, it was still true. And she opened her heart, received Christ as her personal Savior, and her countenance, countenance changed. And the Spirit of God came into her heart and bore witness with that poor, pitiful woman. There she was, a child of God. And with tears of gratitude, she said, oh, thank you, thank you for telling me. Thank you for helping me get in. Now, the way that we know this story is true, that this same liberal preacher went around telling that story everywhere he went. And when he got to the end, he said, ladies and gentlemen, not only did that poor woman get in, but that night this preacher got in. Some of you might remember an old hymn. That is related to this song, Tell Me the Old, Old Story of Jesus and His Love. Guys, that's what it's about, isn't it? That story will never become old. That story needs to be shouted from the mountaintops to the rooftops in our schools, in our nation, in our state. Because Jesus and the cross is the only thing that is going to change this world. But even a minister who had been trained in seminary led a woman to Christ, told a story he didn't even believe in. Guys... When you take God's word, it will not come back void. We need to see the power of the word of God. We need to realize today. I know some people say, well, we've done enough praying. And I understand what they're referring to. But still, we have not done enough praying. We need to do more. Sometimes we look around, we see our kids walking around, we see adults walking around. We just need to stop and say, Lord, thank you that I'm able to see this one today. Thank you, Lord. Because we don't know about tomorrow, but right now we can say thank you. We can say thank you. You know, none of us are promised tomorrow. But right now we can say thank you. The cross. Oh, let's not forget it. I know in some circles this is the time of Lent. But let's make this the time of focusing upon the cross of Jesus Christ and the power of that cross. Let's pray.
So gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for that story. I thank you, Lord, for... Lord, I thank you for the word and the power that comes and the true wisdom we can gain, Lord, when we look to you for our source of power. Lord, help us find that true source. We might be labeled as a fool to this world, but we will be wise in your understanding. Help us, Lord. We ask this. In your son's name, amen.